0: (laughs) Oh. And welcome to the latest episode of Let Me Tell You Something's Meltzer 5 Star Project. The show within the show in which myself, you, Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host
1: Simon Cross
0: discuss a match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer thinks is quite good. So he gives it 5 stars or higher.
1: <laughs>
0: Last week... We were well beyond the five-star territory. We'd gone into the outer realms where mere Dark Matter and Kenny Omega matches exist. (laughs) And witnessed the six-and-a-quarter star match that was Kenny Omega challenging Will Ospreay on the 4th of January, Wrestle Kingdom Tokyo Dome events for the IWGP United States Championship. Seven days later... He's back on U.S. soil, although that was a tough one to sort out, apparently. No. He's holding the United States belt. I don't know if that was the deciding factor as to how he was allowed in or not. (laughs)
1: Look what I've done for you people.
0: (laughs) What do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people?
1: Oh, no. Such a good film. Could never do it now.
0: And he's looking to add a second belt to a new belt collection. A belt that he had held a few months earlier, but lost it through means of... I don't know if carelessness is the right way. Well, you'd argue that he was being very careful with at least one person that was there, or one entity, one one living being that was there. Hmm. And here we are, after six matches, they're on to the seventh. Simon, what am I talking about, and who is participating?
1: You are talking about the last match in the seven-match series, as you referred to, for the trios championship between the champions, Death Triangle... And the elite, so it's is it Escuela de la Muerte. So we've been here before with four of the participants. It's Scala de la Muerte, Escala, Yes,
0: so I do apologise, a You got to think you you scale a ladder. I figure that's what
1: it. Yeah, so yeah, like like I say, it's it's a re, it's a rerun of a previous match we've covered with two extra elements. So this is a bit like when uh, Asda sell those big jumbo boxes of shreddies like frosted shreddies and your mum gets them in because they're a reasonable price basically that but a wrestling match
0: or when you got those tiny eight pack of them but then they like added two extra ones so you got a ten pack of all the different mixed bag of cereals
1: that you'd always take on any, any British self-catering holiday Yeah, would always have those you'd
0: pour it into the bowl and you'd be like the hell that's a bowl of this cereal <laughs> yes and then you wonder and then you then you look at your type 2 diabetes diagnosis in later life and think how did this happen?
1: <laughs> I just can't make sense of it.
0: <laughs> well, we might not be able to maintain portion control, but can we maintain a balance when you're scaling a ladder to retrieve a belt? Or
1: even when you're making your entrance as it's a, it's a rare blessing misstep. From Ray Phoenix as he slips on the way into the, uh, during the Death Triangle entrance, recovers very quickly. But you can tell for the rest of the entrance, even through the mask, that he is pissed off at himself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tell you, we often consider that the end result of this, given that the ongoing story of these matches has been Phoenix's disapproval of the use of a ball pin, ham- ball pen, or ball pin, ball pin, ball pin hammer to win the matches and sometimes lose the matches in this series. Yeah. Against the far more willing participants of Penta and Park. And if this was going to lead to a dissolution of Death Triangle. We don't know yet. Nothing's happened in a follow up storyline for anyone really so far in this since this match. It's very odd. Well, I guess they've been setting up the the next match will be them against Top Flight and who would be Top Flight's partner in that?
1: AR Fox. AR Fox, that, Fox that, yes, that's right. Yes. They are going one way with that, because obviously um, they won the trio's Battle Royal for 100 grand each. But also, after the House of Black have like had this like brief dalliance doing whatever it is they're doing with Kingston and Ortiz at the minute,
0: I think they're being set up to be the next uh, contenders. Yeah, that's for sure. The trio's title is something that they've really been building up to. I think that they wanted to have it at least as a possibility from the early days. Trios were mentioned as if it was a a different discipline within and of itself. That had its own standalone record. Yeah, people come out with trios records. (laughs) So you always thought a trio's title is very plausible. Now, of course, 2021 and 2022 became the years of too many titles uh, across all of wrestling, really, but AEW in particular has been egregious at that. Yes. So... When the titles were introduced, there's... And there's still, to this day, is a lot of eye-rolling about it. And I can understand why. But what's funny about it is the dichotomy of the amount of resistance a lot of online fans have to the trio's titles existing. And the amount of enjoyment that the crowds and a lot of the people online are having with most of the matches taking place. We've already covered, what were there, two five-star matches in the tournament itself to set up the champions... That was won originally by the Elite and then, you know, we had what we had. I think the basic problem is, it's very rare that there's going to be a storyline where the feeling of a culmination of an achievement for someone is winning the trios titles. Like, the most the acclaimed can do as a tag team is win the world tag team titles. And we saw them achieve that over a gradual, both... Getting increasingly over with the crowd and also showing more and more of what they can do in the in the ring as wrestlers. Yeah. A lot of people never thought that they had that match with Swerve and Our Glory in them at one point. Mm, that's true. And they built up to that. The trio's title doesn't feel like something anyone truly aspires to unless you have some sort of like Villano's like group. Mm. so what, what will those belts ultimately mean other than a means to have Kenny Omega or Malachi Black or the Young Bucks or at some point in the future the Blackpool Combat Club something to do to keep them away from the singles or tag division which they need to have be concentrated with other people because you would assume the format for most of the trios that enter the trio scene will be a singles wrestler and their tag team friends
1: yeah, like, you, you could see a lot of
0: that. You've got AR Fox with Top Flight. Yeah. Pac with the Lucha Bros. You've got Will Ospreay with Aussie Open.
1: Orange Cassidy with Best Friends, technically.
0: Adam Page with various members of the Dark Order.
1: Mm-hmm. You're right. I do think it will serve as a good, like, incubation spot for certain wrestlers to be in. When they want to, like, they don't really know how to plug them into the single storylines. You can, you can get them there. One of the main problems I think AEW specifically has with the trio's title is the consequences of the post-show all-out, basically, where they're just crowned a champion for this. And then it's immediately like, it gets swept up in the whole... CM Punk kerfuffle and that title has effectively stumbled out of the block as a result.
0: Yes but so did the Universal Championship. Finn Balor won it and had to forfeit it after being the first champion immediately Yeah, and now it's been a key part of Roman Reigns' ascent. So belts fluctuate in valuation as time goes on.
1: Yeah but when it's, when it's a new type of belt in a, in a promotion because they had tag and they had singles belts but they had a trios belt newly introduced, it it can pose a little challenge to recover. And they've this is why they've paired these two together. Yes. So I think to guarantee a good series of matches to put under the belts. So when they do trios matches packages going forward, we can go, look at this legendary series and not look at this one day rain because of backstage bullshit.
0: <laughs> what I think I would argue in counter to that is that the other issue that everyone's had with the trio's title, I think, is that it was seen as, like, a vanity belt. That it was something for Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks get to win. And that maybe, as in the future... As I've said, you know, whenever the title's not been around someone that's like a pet project, it's not necessarily been given as much focus, has been given as much thought into it, or as much emphasis how how prominent adam page was when he won the world title compared to when kenny omega had it
1: how thunder rose's title reign did not play to her strengths at all
0: whereas dr Britt baker was made to be almost a world conqueror in many ways when she had it because she was seen more as tony's project (laughs) yes similarly with the tag belts when it was with the young bucks as opposed to when it wasn't with the young bucks such as with the lucha bros and i think that Tony knew that, and that's why he knew when they brought the Elite back, they couldn't just put the belts back on them immediately,
1: Mm.
0: but he wanted the belts back on them, so he had to backward navigate it that they lose to Death Triangle in their first match back, but then they reveal it was part of a larger best of seven series, which means that the Elite make their comeback and win the titles, and that Mm. wasn't even technically a successful defence in many ways yeah and so ultimately death triangle again were kind of fodder for the more important elite team and they got away without even really being punished i guess the idea is the punishment is they lose their first big match back but then is it that much of a punishment if they then in the the next seven in the series of seven they come out the victors well the all-conquering heroes the triumphant, and they get back the belts that were designed for them in the first place in the eyes of many people. And I'm just saying, when they decide to pull the trigger on whoever it was that takes those belts off them in the future, whether it is House of Black or whoever, let's see where those belts are at that point.
1: Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I don't think it really hurt Death Triangle, though. uh, Sort of because when you set up a 3-1 deficit, you go, oh, well, the next couple of matches are going to be this, this, and this. You're like, well, but then they go, well, of course, if we get there, I'm like, well, you've sort of sold the game. Fan, fans knew where this we'd
0: end up in this position, I think. That's why I think there's something to it, and I think this could really help make the trio's title stand out more. Two ideas I would have if I was in a booking if I was in an AEW booking committee, I mean, this isn't fancy booking as far as I'm not saying who wins the belt or what. But I'm thinking of this as a way to present the trio's title as something different. Two-parter. One, don't make all title defences best of sevens, but how about all titles being best of threes to play into the three aspect of it? And you can have it be the first match is on Dynamite, the second match is on Rampage, because I thought these are the perfect belts to put on Rampage. Mm. Just a 20-minute all-action sprint, no need for long storyline build-ups it can just be an exhibition spot monkey classic yeah those sort of things that really keep a crowd up and makes rampage feel like something special maybe if you make it more of a rampage title Mm. you could even do a whole episode of rampage where you go for like a jumbo's army versus super generation army equivalents of a 55 minute epic that goes over all commercial breaks if you want to yeah they've got yeah that's, that's another opportunity for you with those belts. It gives you some freedom. So that would be my first idea. Maybe do it as a best of three series. And that therefore, you can also book it so that you can be quite a few 2-0 wins. So it can be Dynamite, and then that it hooks people in to watch on Rampage. Gets an audience for Rampage. And then if it has to go to the rubber match, that's for the next Dynamite. Or it can be for the pay-per-view that's on the next show, maybe.
1: Or the next Rampage.
0: Or the next Battle of the Belts. Or, yeah, you could yeah. do it Rampage, Dynamite, Rampage. Yeah. If you want to do it that way that could be a way to change up and another thing i can do i think is because everyone's saying one of the things about the new japan six-man belts is they're kind of meant to be who's the reigning faction of new japan and that's kind of what it's meant to symbolize although it doesn't really so then you lean more into the idea of it being a factions championship and god knows there are enough factions of varying sizes so then take advantage of the free birds rule and you can have if say the jericho appreciation society win it. You have six different wrestlers that are options to be defending the belt in those matches.
1: Yeah, you could have Le Sex God and Hager one night. And let's say there's like a significant injury to one of them. Part of the storyline could be uh, Garcia and Cool Hand Ange and Matt Menard step up to the plate. Got like, boss, we got this.
0: Or it's like if the rubber match is the all-important rubber match and Jericho steps up because, you know, we've got to win the big one. That <laughs> and he's a real glory grabber.
1: Like when the cup goalkeeper in a big team gets basically took out the picture once you get to the
0: cities. Yeah. So if you want to play up the idea of faction supremacy, and there can even be strategy in that. You know? Like we're gonna start out with the big guns, but that didn't work, so we're gonna do this, and that then they can respond to that the next one. And you know, the Freebird rule hasn't harmed the tag belts with how it was used with the New Day. Yeah. So I think that would be the other path I think you could go down. And you can have ones... So then you can have ones where it's arguably the disadvantage because one group's only three, whereas the other faction is like six of them. And they can change things around from match to match, whereas the other ones are...
1: The group of three is the heel group. Does that mean, like, they start doing guerrilla warfare and, like, trying to isolate these guys backstage and pick them off?
0: Well, take out the big... But like, say, it's the, they're facing the Blackpool Combat Club, so they make sure to take out Danielson and Cassignoli. So that it's Utah and you know Mox, Mox. <laughs> maybe one of the other team members has to stand in, but they're so injured they can't really get involved. Mm. You know, but but then maybe
1: there's an up and comer, for example, yeah, within uh, the... who want who no who wants to join the Blackpool Combat Club? Who'd be like, we don't really have the numbers now. There's only you two left. I mean, i I found I found a jacket in my size, lads. Come yeah. on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But uh, let's get away from that. I'm just saying there's ways you can do it that will make it interesting, but I do expect what it will most likely be is the belt of lots of just fast-paced matches, but it will not be some great achievement of their of a cha- of a guy's record. You know, it's not going to be it's not going to be something that Kenny Omega is going to be most known for is his no, run wow. title. No. or the or the Young Bucks or PAC and and the Future yeah. Bros.
1: But um I think one of the reasons why we're still were we're still in this speculation stage is because we're we're behind from belt creation to where we are now. we are behind schedule because of events beyond the control of a booker's pencil
0: yeah, you never know I mean maybe they were planning to put them up against Death Triangle. It was the most logical match to have, yeah as prominently as possible after all this other stuff's happened,
1: but because they've been. Locked into this series against each other. We've not really seen them defend it against anyone
0: else yet. There hasn't yet been a sense of a cultivation of a trio scene. Yes. Obviously, you had the battle royal, but again, it's like there's still that makeshift element to it. Mm. And like I said, the problem is that these guys aren't really defined as trios, but there are factions and there are friendships. We really aren't talking about the match. Well, no, we're not,
1: and we will, but I think the reason we're talking so much about the titles themselves is because we're still in the unknown in AEW as to what a trio scene is.
0: Is this the peak of it, essentially? Or is this going to be the titles that get loads of five-star matches from Meltzer more than tag team titles do because Meltzer loves his action spot fests where everything's hitting, everything's smooth. He loves his Kenny Omega matches. He loves his Young Bucks matches. And there's plenty of other guys around that could do that style of match. You know, you, the look of the blueprint is that all those six-man tags they used to have in PWG with, usually with Adam Cole, actually. Yeah. With the Super Click, and that's another potential future champ. That was probably the original trios match that they had planned out mm. to be the, the start of it.
1: But then Kyle O'Reilly got injured, Adam Cole
0: got injured, Bobby Fish did Bobby Fish things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who knows, though. Roderick Strong one day, maybe. I, I assume they'll do some sort of unification match with the ROH six-man tag titles as well, just to get those belts out of existence. Because what's the bloody point of those?
1: Well, now they've boxed Ring of Honor off into its own
0: world. Yeah, well... Maybe not. Yeah, but they'll still do promotional stuff over time. Oh, yeah. It could be a good way to do big up an ROH pay-per-view, actually, bring over the AEW trios champions and have them challenge for those belts. Mm. But again, it's like... We look at these classic six-man tag matches, and there are some greats. You know, the Masawa, Kabashi, Kawada, Saruta, Tawei, Fushi matches are some of the best matches I've ever like as a series of matches. there's one of my favourites ever. Mm. The Shield against the Wyatts, the Shield against Team Hell No and Ryback, the Shield against New Day, Shield
1: against Evolution.
0: Yep, all of those were great. They didn't need titles. To be a part of them. Yeah. It was almost like because it was so, like, singular. Like, because with the titles, there's always another time. Everyone will lose their titles eventually, but there'll only be one winner of this one match. And that's what's so important about it. The weirdly, having their belts be attached to it almost lessens it. Yeah. Because it's just part of a continuation rather than one solitary event. A blood feud. It was a
1: blood feud. It wasn't over... Uh, prestige. It was. It was over deep seated personal like issues.
0: Yeah, and as I said, the the deep seated personal issues of this series is just, oh you used a hammer, you prick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Are and, you well, well, cheating? Pack's whole thing was just basically, uh, I think, we're being disrespected, and they kind of were, and were <laughs> proven to be the case. But there were like, to be fair, I watched all the matches in the run up to rewatching the seventh match. And to be fair to them, pretty much all of them did have some sort of unique energy to it. Yeah. There was the first one, which was just spots galore. It was welcome back. And it was the introduction of the hammerers. Although the hammer has been used by Puck in other matches with Orange Castle and the like. But Phoenix being an active participant about it. And that was the big problem I had with Phoenix being so annoyed at the use of the hammer in all subsequent matches when he's the one that won the first match with a hammer.
1: Yeah, but he wasn't happy
0: about it. Well, don't do it. <laughs> uh,
1: when you're when your older brothers tell it like putting you under pressure, sometimes people do stupid things.
0: So that was the first match. The second match was just we're in Chicago, let's lean into this. Yes. And the and the dynamic was completely flipped on its head where they were being the heels and Death Triangle would be in the faces. Then there was the whole I think the third match might have been the one where uh, Nick had to leave due to a ankle injury. Yes. And got into it. And that paid into the subsequent matches because I think he had to tap out. Oh, no, that was the fourth match because he had to tap out. But, yeah. And then you got into the weapons match and the force count anywhere match. And now this. So they didn't just do the same match over and over again. But what I did want to do watching those matches was see... Is there lessons learnt? Is that, you know, having just watched rerun the Rivalry where everything from matches literally that had happened two years earlier, there's references to it. Mm. Do they build from that? And they don't, to be frank. There's not a lot of stuff where it's like something that hit in match three fails to hit in match four. Mm. Even like the novelty in this match seven of Abrahantes and Brandon Cutler getting involved it would have been more special if they hadn't done that exact spot already in, like, match five. Yeah. Well, Alex
1: does love, love, love like, tossing the hammer.
0: Yeah, but he shouldn't do that in public.
1: See, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, yeah.
0: One of the other things about this match that I think is unique as far as a game five stars is how relatively short it hmm. is. There must have been time constraints. There's no way they came out there and the plan was for them to be out with 18 minutes left for entrances plus match. There's no way, because, like... It's, like, one of the shorter matches in the series. I think their, their pay-per-view match goes 22. Yeah. And this one goes seven minutes shorter, and it's meant to be, you know, the be-all, end-all culmination of it all.
1: I don't know. In a way, I, I liked it being shorter. It's It was just one... You could just go straight into fifth and then just, like, like go for it. And, and I don't like the idea of payoff matches always being long necessarily because you go oh well cool they've done that but i know there's another 20 minutes left so
0: my point is that i don't that's fine if that had been their intention to do something different but i don't think that was their intention Hmm. i feel like it must have been timed out poorly and they just had to fit it all in you know which they obviously famously had to do after okada and marty scurl decided to basically have an iron man match (laughs) (laughs) unprompted You'd think, uh, my scale, I thought 15 and 16 was usually as far as he wanted to go.
1: Oh, Jesus.
0: (laughs) Oh, Christ.
1: (laughs) I was going to make a a joke about, you know, that guy from Noah isn't the only one that's probably wanted to boot Okada in the face for real at times, but you went a
0: different way. (laughs) There was some really cool bits in the match. But it was just so many things that are just like bugbears of mine. I, you know, I think everyone in the world agrees. Where did that pentagon from Lucha Underground go to? Mm. Because that was basically the coolest wrestler of the past decade. Yeah. And he's still great fun and he has one of the most awesome looks. And Death Triangle's entrance, if they do split up, that'll be one of the things I'll truly miss. Because that was an awesome entrance that they have. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, Penta, as everyone said, has just charisma to spare. He takes the ole 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 chance and, like, spends a fair chunk of this 15 minute match coaching the fans to say Sierra Miedo instead of the last two olays. <laughs> and he gets involved in, like, Matt Jackson turns up and he has to fight him for a bit and he's still going back to it. <laughs> I I, I sent you a text, didn't I? Tony Khan should say to him, You're allowed one Sierra Miedo a match. Use it wisely. That's
1: just not feasible. <laughs> Bless him. I, I love
0: him for that, though.
1: I I, I adore Penta. The creepy, weird dancing man that he is strutting around the wing, ring. He used
0: to just take great pleasure in breaking women's arms. Yeah. <laughs> All sorts of stuff.
1: Well, the one time they did do an arm break feud, Cody didn't fucking... Oh, that was... the that... Penta got sucked into the Cody-verse, but that, that's the closest we've seen to arm breaker Penta, is my point.
0: Well, maybe we'll see that if the death triangle splitter you
1: never
0: know yeah there's there's fun spots and i tell you one thing i did like about this was even though it was a spot fest there was periods of control like death mm-hmm. triangle actually had things in control for a time and they were like you very rarely get that sort of sympathetic putting heat on your the baby face in these sort of matches at least not outside of the one-on-one ladder match where you've got to build more story where as opposed to having to cram in as many spots as you like because like i said that is the appeal of the the trios matches you can just it can just be spot 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 spots it can go at a pace that singles and tag matches can't
1: and you could argue that the fact that they were going for all the spots and trying to hit the big moves to get rid of death triangle early is how death triangle took control because kenny misses his dive and like you know just smashes himself through a table Matt hits his dive and it smashes Pat through a table, but it's like cool. Well, we took out one of them, but it's cost us two of us. So then you just took Nick turns round and the Lucha Bros are there, like you're you're ours now.
0: <laughs> but this is what leads to my biggest uh, frustration of all in this match. The commentators think they've spotted some clever psychology, I suppose, within how they've structured the match. Mm-hmm. When Omega's on his end on his own at the end. He takes out Phoenix with the one-winged angel off the ladder. And then Pac goes for the black arrow on him and he puts his knees up. And then Alex Scalab says, And remember, Nick Jackson put Penta through a table with the 450 splash. And it's like, yeah, that would have been the clever spot to have had just before that spot. But you know what happened after he put Penta through the 450 splash? Penta got back up and did the fucking fear factor on Matt's. so no that wasn't them doing a clever bit of setting it up i
1: I guess he was trying to cover
0: (laughs) no he wasn't trying to cover he just misremembered it but that's another sign that big spot that happened a minute ago he'd already forgotten when it had happened in the match yeah and this is the path that ladder matches have all gone down post hardy's edge and christian no mercy 99 basically and those matches were good examples of it the The original TLC matches were fantastically structured and escalated over time. Yeah. And they did sort it out so that everyone was out of it at the right time for the final capturing of the belts. It's been a lost... Mm. I don't want to say... Yeah, I guess it's a lost art form, but maybe also because it just seems like there's certain things that wrestling shows have to have now for fans. Even like indie house shows, it seems like you watch Botchamania and it just does seem like every show you're expected to put someone through a table. And I get the feeling that, like, every WWE house show probably has that. I know when the Dudley Boys did it, they always did that. Yeah. But, like, post-Dudley Boys, it's like, at some point fans start chanting, we want tables, and that's what you get.
1: Yeah, I, I do think people do expect a certain type of ladder match now. You're right.
0: Like, it feels like the Elite and Death Triangle are creative enough people that they can make a ladder match work for them rather than them working for a ladder match. Yeah, yeah. They do it a bit, but they don't do it enough.
1: Whereas we don't have enough William Regals and Dave Taylors who are like, all right, let's just beat them up normally and then we'll climb the ladder at the end because we
0: can't, we're not good at this stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll just break their legs. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be so much more intrigued if they did that. If they booked a ladder match that was Orange Cassidy against Powerhouse Hobbs, Mm. I'd so much more look forward to that than I would. Like this being a rematch in at the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Or d- them doing it against the House of Black, if that's the way it goes, you know? Another thing that did surprise me was that they just had it be the one belt needs to be retrieved. Because I would have thought the logic of it, to continue on, the sense of it being a progression and a stalemate, we would have this ladder match be essentially the equivalent of a best of three. Where all three belts have to be pulled down, and whichever team has pulled down two or more... The most. Whoever's got the majority of belts, then they win. Yeah, you could have done it that way. Or you could have had it be like one of those things like when in a steel cage match. They both land on the floor at the same time, so they have to restart it. So Mm. you could have had it that both of them pull down one of the belts at the same time. And they're like, well, we're going to have to continue.
1: Yeah. Well, there's one more belt there. Just crack on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do that. One thing that this did allow was that, because it was trios, there was no stupidly slow climbing. Everyone Mm. was actively trying to climb the ladder as fast as they could. To get things done. Yeah,
1: like, uh, well, that might be because of time constraints, as you say. Yeah, you're right,
0: yeah. I, I do love the visual of them just using the hammer to just hammer Kenny in the hand as he's climbing.
1: Yeah. Stop holding things. <laughs> ah,
0: you bugger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've all missed when we're hitting a nail. We, Well, that's relatable pain.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I, I know I sound too negative, but like, I'm. Uh, it was fun. It was fun for what it is. I'd give it somewhere between three and a half to four, but I wouldn't go that high. And I wouldn't even say it's one of the best ones of the series. And I kind of think deep down, maybe Meltzer thought that too, but he knew he couldn't give the first match five stars because then it could have got silly. Yeah. So I feel like he was giving five stars to the whole presentation by giving it to this match <sighs> Cause he doesn't give it to that many ladder matches. What's the other ladder matches he's given it to WrestleMania 10. Yeah. The NXT. One, you know, because Lars Sullivan for the longest time had more five star matches than Brian Dangleson.
1: The Bucks versus the
0: Lucha Bros. Yep, that got five and a quarter stars, so that's still the superior one. That that's about it, really. Yeah, and there's no way this is amongst the five best ladder matches of all time. That's just ridiculous. No, I... it's probably not even in the Young Bucks' five best ladder matches of all time. Probably. If he's see,
1: we we can't speak for him, but if he's doing it for the whole presentation of like the trio series from a storyline perspective, they they set up a lot of stuff, like you say, that then just isn't alluded to at the end. Like you don't see, because they do this, well, Kenny sort of like goes, okay, well, if you're going to break the rules, then we're just going to sack the rules off basically. But then because of that, you don't have the continued like
0: descent of attempts of cheating, like really annoying Phoenix. There's the spot in the match where uh, Nick Jackson gets runned onto the ladder Hits it legs first. Again, Excalibur on commentary points out that Nick Jackson has had leg issues throughout the whole, from, like, match four.
1: And Don, because Don's like, no, 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 no.
0: Yeah. Do, does Nick then favour his leg throughout the rest of this match like he did in those two matches? He doesn't. No. Again, so it's not like this sense of, like, you know, we were spoiled with watching the Tanahashi Okada matches, I guess. But this would not have been as, uh, it wasn't as nourishing a rerun the rivalry, frankly, as... Uh, That was. But just out of curiosity, Meltzer went uh, four and three quarters for match one, four and a half for match two and three, four and a quarter for match four. I bet he wondered why he even bothered. Four and a half for five, four and three quarters for six, and then five for this. They're too interchangeable for me to have that that strong an opinion, but I do know that I preferred at least one of the two big brawl. This wasn't
1: the best one. No. And I think the problem, I think if we could condense... Our our reservations about this match in where it sits in the series is the problem we have overall with ladder matches that we've we've alluded to there. Ladder matches have become about spots, not story, not psychology. It's it's just because it's a ladder match, you must do X and Y amount of spots. It's like, well, what about the guy with the leg injury? No, we need him to be, like, rarned off the top and then a minute later to do a package pile-driver onto someone.
0: I think the more fascinating ladder match now would be something like Wheelie Uter against Daniel Garcia. And they spend 20 minutes having a match where they're just beating the shit out of each other's legs. And then one of them finally brings the ladder into it, but they're both so fucked hmm. that then it becomes a different kind of thing. Yeah, someone's, like, been
1: held in a knee bar for three minutes. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they, 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 they do have a clean run at the ladder, but they their leg literally gives out and they collapse
0: yeah that's what i want to see in a ladder match in 2023 Mm -hmm. but that's not what the fans i guess expect and people play up to what the fans expect more because there's there's cool moments in this match of stuff of consideration like you said that spot where omega misses one dive pack is rolled away but like within seconds matt jackson seen what's happened feels like he has to even the odds and spots in that moment packs there and Sends it, that sends the crowd crazy, and another cool bit in that moment as well is that Phoenix sees what Matt's gonna do and dives desperately at him. And at the last second is when Matt launches himself, and yeah, like so they they know how to do these things. And these guys are six incredible athletes, a couple of them in Phoenix and Nick. You could argue maybe two of the best 10 athletes, maybe not in wrestling history, but, but at least now the past this decade of this, you know, yeah past 10, 20 years. And Omega and Pac, to be honest, i probably put in that consideration as well. What sets you off is just having to discuss these in the five stars, I suppose. Meltzer, you did it again, you son of a bitch! <laughs> I've said it without saying it, but I agree with you. I, I, This isn't five stars for me. What would you go? Like I said, I'd be somewhere between three and a half to four.
1: Around the four, it's good fun chaos, but I, sadly, that's all it is, and I think there could have been more you could have played up to.
0: Yeah, but I just, uh, now it'll be curious to see where would you go with the trios titles. Like I said, I've got my, I've pitched my ideas. If somewhere out there in the ether, people hear that, and it becomes a thought process, I don't ask for anything in return. <laughs> and I also expect no blame if it all turns out to be an incredibly stupid thing to do if someone does actually try and do it. Because to be honest, I was one of the people defending the notion of trios titles at least a year ago. Yeah. I saw potential in there. And like I said, this isn't the last trios match that will get five stars from Meltzer. Nice. No. And I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this decade, if those belts exist, we'll have more trios title matches get five stars than tag team title matches. I'm trying to think of many tag team title matches that got five stars. The FTR stuff of last year. Mm. But before then, not much of anything. Oh, and and obviously all the Holy Demon Army, Masawa Kabashi.
1: Uh, didn't the... you have... wasn't Buck's uh, Hangman... Yeah. And a mega five star
0: yeah, that was Yeah, that was six stars. That was one of the six star matches. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that's where we've been. And that's not where we're going to next. Next week, at the moment, we don't have any five star matches lined up. No. So we're not going to do match of the week. We're going to put in one of our new concepts. Let's do Silver Screen Visions. And considering it's its 15th anniversary, and the director has just released another film, that's giving another actor a huge comeback and potential Oscar glory. Let's talk about Darren Aronofsky directing Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. The Wrestler. For many people, arguably the greatest wrestling movie ever made.
1: Unless you're Jim Cordell.
0: But until then, so if people want to get in touch with you to talk about all things Escalas and Spanish language, how can they do so? They can get
1: in touch with me on Twitter. I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the months of Duolingo. I probably need to do to be able to pronounce the bloody match type correctly. <laughs>
0: My name's Lorcan Monon. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A in Ascend. N for the N at the end of ball pin. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put putting that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen.
1: And my name's Simon Cross.
0: Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.